Well, hello, everyone. My name is Joe, uh, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. It, it took me a long time to be able to say that. Uh, well, comparatively so. Uh, I started, I walked into these rooms in, wow, October 26, 2012. So it has been 10 years since uh, I walked into OA. And by the grace of God, I have 10 years of abstinence. Um, and, you know, like all of us, I think, you know, that while I've kept abstinent, there are good times and bad times. Um, and certainly uh, I can take my will back in a heartbeat if I so choose. You know, we're never, we're always one foot away from, potentially one foot away from, from a relapse if we're not careful. And living on that edge with my higher power, you know, guiding me is where I find acceptance. That as long as I am following my spiritual program, because that's the solution. If I think it's about dieting or calorie counting, or um, if it's only about abstaining from certain foods, that's important. But if I make it only about that, then I miss the point because it's not about the food. It's about the surrender. I have a disease and I have to surrender this every day. Um, and if I don't, then I take my will back inch by inch. And before I know it, food has, has crept back into my life in, a, in an unhealthy way. So I think for me, circumstances are not so relevant we, you know, the big book says the reasons for this disease are unimportant. I don't think they're unimportant, but I think in a lot of ways they can be irrelevant. Um, certainly, I have trauma from my past, and while it informs my addiction, it doesn't cause it. You know, we, I, my one of my favorite um, analogies that I hear people say is, um, you know, if somebody goes to war, right, and they have that. Um, they, they have that, um, that trauma coming back and like, well, you know, he drinks because he, you know, he went to war and he had to kill and, and, and all and saw horrible things. But then there are people who drive a taxi cab for a living and they also drink, right? So it's the same thing for food. You know, we, we can have our trauma informed by it, but it doesn't, addiction is a separate animal. And I'm, I, I will compulsively overeat because I'm a compulsive overeater, not because of what my mom or dad did or didn't do to me or whatever. Uh, but certainly uh, it did inform, it, 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 I did eat over those things, uh, but I could have easily done other coping behaviors over those things, either healthy or unhealthy. But yes, it, there was a difficult childhood. Emotions were uh, not to be tolerated and mistakes were not to be tolerated. Um, making mistakes even today is very difficult for me because I was taught from a very young age that mistakes are not to be tolerated. And if you make a mistake, you will be criticized and then you will be abandoned. Um, there's a great, I guess this is an outside issue. So I'll just say the, the, now I won't mention who, but if anyone's interested, you can ask me later, the analogy of the doll versus the child that certain parents don't see their children as people, they see them as dolls. And that was really was my childhood. I got put on the shelf whenever I didn't behave the way a doll should behave or when my mom got tired of me 
when I was no longer interesting or exciting, uh, I would be put on the shelf. And so that was kind of how I, I viewed the world. And so I think I learned from that how to hate myself and hate myself for having needs. And since all human beings have needs, um, you know, that, that it's hard to escape from that. So I went through life in this very small way. I didn't try to go after my dreams, really. If you hate yourself, you can't really achieve much in life. Achievement requires self-love, you know. So um, food became a way for me to soothe myself and a way for me to cope with the difficulties of life, but mainly as a way to cope with my own self-hatred uh, or really not cope at all, you know, the illusion of coping, the illusion of joy, the illusion, this kind of euphoria. Um, and uh, so I went through life that way. I was never at a healthy body weight when I was a kid. My mother uh, was incredibly worried about my health and was taking me to doctors. I was getting cholesterol tests every six months, which probably did nothing to help either of us except increase the anxiety. I still don't like going to the doctor today. Uh, and I never, I still don't get weighed at the doctor's office today. It was a fellow in this program who taught me um, that I could just say I declined to the state. Because if I knew the number on the scale, I'd be upset for three days straight, you know. So <clears throat> now, by the grace of God, I weigh myself once a month. Um, I haven't, I've gotten out of the habit of that recently, but that's something I'm trying to get back into. Um, so I went through life that way. And I, I, you know, I tie my body image to my sexuality. I something we finally got a book uh, published about that. That was actually my sponsor's doing um, to to because because sexuality is really important, I think, to discuss. And I thought I was not sexually attractive or romantically attractive because of my weight. And if I was not attractive, it was actually because of how I felt about myself. It had nothing to do with my weight. Weight can be a symptom or a demonst like it could show someone else that you you know, if you're eating to punish yourself, I think that energy comes through and people react to that. Um, but it's not about the weight itself. It's about how we treat ourselves, our emotional energy that we put off. And so I didn't date because I didn't feel like I was worthy of it. I, I didn't, I assumed I'd always be rejected and I didn't want to put myself through that. Um, so um, I kind of fell into a relationship without dating in high school and that went, it went very badly. <clears throat> Both of us were very wounded and didn't know what we were doing. And um, so I stopped. I didn't, I didn't date again after that for 20 years. Um, and so my weight continued to go up. And um, I, you know, I felt unwanted and unloved and un unsexy. And, um, and then I went on this, um, I tried this last like diet because I tried diets periodically throughout my life without any success. And I, it didn't work and I gave up and I was so miserable. I just wanted to die. I was so miserable. I wanted to die. And um, I came in on my knees to this program in 2012, you know, having gone through high school and college, not having dated or having any sexual experiences and uh, not having lived my life. You know, I was a compulsive overeater with food, but I was an anorexic with life, a hundred percent. I, you know, and uh, I came into these, this program and I learned 
that I wasn't alone. In fact, I sat down in my first meeting. For those of you who remember the artists and abstinence meeting in Hollywood, um, I that was my first meeting. And I sat down and everyone around me was joking and laughing and having a good time. And the meeting hadn't even started yet. And I was like, oh, wow, like, look at all these people and they're happy. And I remember feeling hope for the first time. And I heard the speaker, his name was Christian. And he, he said what I needed to hear. And I said, how do I, what do I do? And he said, get a sponsor, go to this group, this meeting. And there's a lot of old timers there. And so I went to that meeting and I was so late. I missed the speak and I was so ashamed I missed it. And I almost left because that was my MO. If you're one minute late, then you might as well go home. But I stayed and he gave me his number and we started working together. And here we are 10 years later. And um, it took me a year of, of my body getting used to healthy calories again, a healthy a number or for the first time. Like I gorged myself so much that eating a sane amount of food made me hungry and tired, so tired that first year. And, uh, and then my body readjusted and then I had all this energy and I lost a hundred pounds in my first year. And I got down to a healthy body weight, which was such a miracle. But it was also a learning lesson from my higher power to say, okay, Joe, you're now at a healthy body weight, but guess what? You problems haven't gone away. You know, some of the health problems, yeah, sure. But I'm still, losing the weight doesn't fix me and it still doesn't. So not long after that, I finally got into recovery for my issues around intimacy. And I started dating for the first time and um, it was scary. And I was really scared about what other people would think of me and whether I attractive or not. I felt I had worked my recovery to the point where I felt attractive and that's a miracle and that's all that matters. But I remember going on the, the infamous apps because those felt safer to me and thinking, well, maybe a month. Thank you, 10. Maybe a month or two from now, I'll get a date or something. And within four days, I had a date and I, the word handsome kept, handsome kept being thrown around. And I was like, oh my God, people are attracted to me. This is, and I remember crying about that. Um, and I remember I had a, a terrified, terrified of taking my clothes off in front of someone else. Like the idea of it, it made me tremble. And so when I got into my first partnership, um, we went in front of the mirror together with my therapist gave us this exercise and I was trembling and I took off my clothes and um, nothing happened, right? I didn't get rejected or whatever. And she also talked about her body and like we talked about the different parts of our body, what we liked and didn't like about it. And every time she talked about her body and like, well, I don't like this or that. And I'd look and go, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. But of course, when I talk about my stuff, you go, well, so, you know, it's all, we all have these things in our head. And that changed me. In fact, um, it was so profound that I started going to clothing optional events and, um, uh, you know, uh, I still do. And um, I find myself very free uh, without clothes on. And I'm, you know, I'm working towards, uh, one of the things on my list is to do like a calendar, uh, like with my partner, perhaps a uh, nude calendar just for the two of us or, or something like that. Uh, you know, so like that, that's how recovery has shown up in my life. Um, that relationship ran its course and I grieved it. 
but then I got myself went back out there and I was standing and the uh, West Hollywood pride parade. And I had been dating other genders to just try it because I felt that calling and I was standing in the parade in 2022 and I suddenly realized I was pansexual. Uh, which if you don't know what that means, it's kind of like bisexual. So you're attracted to more than one gender. Um, a year and I, and I, two weeks after I came out and changed my dating profiles, I met this man thinking, well, I'm a cisgender man and I'm not a fan of cisgender men as a rule. So I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. Well, in West Hollywood Pride 2023, we were holding hands together, um, enjoying the parade, deciding what we wanted to do for our one year anniversary. And, um, you know, it, oh, none of that would have been possible without, without my recovery in this program. You know, now we're doing a podcast to tell our story and, um, and we're getting it edited. We're going to be launching it soon. It's all about the, it's a queer uh, community podcast. And, um, you know, so I, I, I live the life of my wildest dreams today. I can tell you guys that everything I wanted before I came into OA, all the dreams that I could think up that I wanted, because I thought very, very small in those days and dreams I didn't even couldn't even hope to dream for, didn't even have the confidence to dream for, have all been achieved. I've gotten everything I've ever wanted and I'm still not fixed. It didn't magically fix me, right? There's still work to do. And there's still other programs I'm working on and there's always another level. But certainly um, my life is amazing today and it can only get better because of this program. Um, you know, so I follow a food plan and, or I should say, uh, I'm getting back onto my food plan. Um, when COVID hit and then my dad, both my parents got cancer and my dad passed away um, and I couldn't hug anybody and I couldn't see anyone, um, the food crept back in, right? So I'm, I'm in a place of turning it over and allowing myself to, um, to give, give the reins back to God and get back on my food plan, even though I'm abstinent. Um, certainly, you know, there, there's places where my food could be more God inspired, you know, but I still have the message and there's still, um, so much I can be of service for in this world. Um, and, uh, you know, it's led to three other 12 step programs and, uh, and recovery and therapy and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and my issues with intimacy, um, I'm still working through them. And my partner is very patient and I'm patient with their intimacy issues too. And that has inspired me to go into the, um, the sex therapy field. And so that's something I'm going to do. And uh, I, I have quite a story that's not really OA related and we only have 20 minutes here, um, but it's definitely gonna be a book worthy in the future, but I get to talk about it on my podcast at least. But you know, I turn it over every day. I do my readings. I check in with my sponsor. Um, you know, I check the menu of a restaurant I'm going to go to and pick out something, or I let God take care of it. I just say, God, what do you want me to get today? And I don't plan it. You know, it depends on what, what the situation is. Um, so all I can say is that this is a spiritual program and it requires a spiritual surrender, a spiritual solution. And, um, the food plan was helpful for me to know portions. And to know what, uh, you know, a sane amount of food for me was. 
and the rest of it is, is the spiritual work. And, you know, I'm at my 12 steps. I've done my 12 steps or I'm right at my 12th step. Yeah, it took me 10 years to do one round of 12 steps. And that's how long it took. And that's fine. It'll take a lot less time next time around. It's not a race. Uh, but, um, you know, 10 years of abstinence is 10 years of joy and love. And now I'm in a wonderful partnership and we're going to be planning to move in together and changing careers. And it's just a really exciting time. It's a really exciting time and none of it would have been possible without a way. So with that, I'll go ahead and wrap up and say, if you, you know, if you're struggling, keep coming back, you see my number next to my name and um, I'm happy to be of service. And thank you for asking me to come and speak today.